favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Addison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Knicks with a 46-41 lead over the Hornets. Clippers up 7. Do the math, 51 minus 44. Yep, 7 on the Cavs and Cleveland. Uh, Pelicans, an early 11-point lead on the Celtics, too. They're 34-23. Ryan? What do we got? Uh, Nets are up 16 on the Jazz right now. So, yeah. Yeah, You are on the right side. I think I was on the wrong side. Well, I don't know. In the NBA, you want to be down 20 at half. It is true. We need some glory marking in threes, get hot, and then we'll just uh, go from there. So, yeah. I can't believe this is what it comes down to. I'm talking Major League Baseball during the break. Jorge Polanco getting moved. We're breaking down the NBA, which we love, obviously, you know, but football, it's it's over. It's not. We have two weeks before the Super Bowl. Stop doing that. It's over, guys. Don't do that. I guess uh, it's college basketball season. When when I can't wake up on a Sunday morning and look forward to seeing Lamar Jackson. But you know what you can see? The Pro Bowl games on Sunday. There's that. I am not excited at all. No, but, not know. at all. Yeah, no flag well, football for you. Well, I always make it. I like it like a big deal. Like it's a with, with Amanda, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm gonna skip this for you. You know, let's go do <laughs> this. Is this, yeah. next week's the Super Bowl? Today's all about you. <laughs> you know what? That's the right move. Except for that, you're you're flying that day. So minor details. Minor details. Minor. Well, Saturday there's no college football, so Saturday you spend time. With her and what she exactly. asked for. There you go. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, you just you, you work around the schedule. I just wanted to make you sure you didn't miss your flight or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and while you're looking for stuff to do, by the way, you can always follow the Brooklyn Nets and the Ben Simmons resurgence tour. Oh yeah. Six assists in his first four minutes. How many shots wow. has he taken? Have not checked the box score, but per <laughs> Tim Bontemps, the dude is a dishing machine. Because he doesn't want to take any shots and go to the free throw line. Yep, he has not taken a single shot. Ben Simmons in five like. minutes. That's what we like. No shots. Just distribute, baby. No free throws. No nothing. But he'll distribute, and that's all that there is. All right. Uh, ben Simmons probably will find a way to not play soon anyway, if we're being honest. Robert Mays is the host of the Athletic Football Show, and he jumps on with us now. Uh, I, I, this is a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, Robert, that uh, it's one team that we've kind of been talking about for years, breaking through and finally getting to that point of winning a Super Bowl. And then it's the other that just feels like the new Patriots and the Chiefs where you go, I I guess at this point we never count them out no matter how bad their receivers are right now. Uh, just your overall thoughts from what we saw on championship weekend. Yeah, they just feel inevitable on so many different levels, and it's just been, been such a fascinating version of a Chiefs team. You have the offense struggling for good chunks of the season, and you know, it wasn't just the receivers. The offensive line wasn't playing very well, and they've made some high-profile additions there. The running game was really bad for long stretches of the year. They just failed to find answers on that side of the ball for most of the season. The defense was really good, though. The defense was really good from the time we kicked off this year. And, and there have been other seasons, even last year, where by the end of the season, it's like, oh, maybe they're a top 12 unit. They're young. They figured it out. They were elite from the jump this year. It was just about the offense kind of falling into place. And that's exactly what we've seen over the last three games. It's just everything falling in line at the exact moment that they needed it to happen. And on the Niners' side, this was one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league the entire year. And even when they go down 17 at half, they're so explosive, so dangerous on offense. You've got four or five guys that every single time they touch the ball, it can be an explosive play, and that's what ended up happening. Obviously, the Lions needed to have some self-inflicted wounds to get them there, but the Niners just showed you what sort of pop they have 
in those final two quarters offensively where it doesn't really matter what the deficit is because of how much talent they have on that side of the ball. What I noticed uh, in that game, especially towards the first, the end of the first half, you saw Van Noy hit Travis Kelsey in the helmet. That ended up probably costing the Ravens three points. And the lack of poise just seemed to be ever-present in that game. Lots of mental errors, frustrations leaking out. And it feels like that happens to teams that play against the Chiefs. In your estimation, do you think the Niners, especially considering that they, it's kind of a revenge game for the 2020 Super Bowl, are going to be able to play a clean game? Or are they going to get kind of shook by the Kansas City allure? It's a great question because I could feel the same thing yesterday. I mean, you just have guys trying to play outside of themselves on that Baltimore team, and I think that ended up hurting them. I will say that even if they haven't been to the Super Bowl as this group, this Niners team has a lot of playoff experience and huge moments. They've been to a bunch of NFC Championship games. They've been to the doorstep of this. So I think that they're more set up to kind of endure whatever the allure, whatever that specter of the Chiefs is. But I think it's hard to ignore the fact that it's very real after you watch the way the Ravens play this weekend. Robert, I want to go back really quick to the NFC Championship game and focus on Detroit. They have a 24-7 lead at the half, and everybody's crushing Dan Campbell. We know he's aggressive. But what do you think about that team moving forward like next season? Most likely they lose Ben Johnson, who's one of the best, if not the best, play caller in the NFC. What do you think that team looks like next season? It's so easy to see, you know, say this team's going to be back because of Gibbs and Laporta and all that talent. But, I mean, now you take away Ben Johnson from Jared Goff. I like Dan Campbell, but I mean, like, what do you think about that team even moving forward after that loss yesterday? It's a question, even if you're enthusiastic and optimistic about them, because Ben Johnson is one of the best play callers in the NFL. And we've seen this in other scenarios where you have this team that looks like it has this super bright future, has young talent, and you remove the play caller. It's not just the play caller. It's the guy who is at the center of how the offense is built, how the offense functions, how the offense operates. Think about what happened with the Eagles this year. Mm-hmm. You have Nick Sirianni as an offensive-minded head yeah. coach. You know, he was the play caller initially. You remove Shane Steichen from the equation, and that offense just completely plateaued. And I think that's a problem where they just didn't have enough new ideas. It got a little bit too insular. That was just beyond play calling. But there are others, other examples, too. And what happened with the 2016 Falcons when Kyle Shanahan gets hired away to go to San Francisco and they bring in Steve Sarkeesian from the outside. That never really clicks into place. The Titans with Mike Vrabel, which I think is a really good comparison because you have the CEO-type head coach and it's led to a play style and a roster that has a certain feel, a certain physicality, a certain attitude. But then you take away the offensive coordinator and they never quite figured it out. So even if you feel really good about where this team is, and I do, I think all the good feelings about them are justified and earned. There are still huge looming question marks moving forward that when you get to this stage, a lot of teams have to worry about and a lot of teams have to navigate. Talking to Robert Mays, BetMGM tonight. Uh, Speaking of Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy benefits from having Kyle Shanahan as his head coach. And you're right, we've seen time and time again where offensive coordinators leave, and we're starting to realize more and more how important they certainly are to this team. But when you've got somebody like Kyle Shanahan and this offense and these weapons, Brock Purdy has absolutely benefited from it. I, I love the story, and I think now what we saw last week was him adding to his resume something that was really missing, that signature game, that signature moment, even after a bad start, where the second half, 
He showed he can bring a team back. He can put a team on his on his back himself and carry them to a win. I don't know how you felt about Brock Purdy early on. I don't know if your opinion changed at all. But what you saw this past weekend from Purdy, did that tell you that this is a guy that's more than just like people throw around, game manager, right? The way I've always looked at him, and not, not always. I think this is an opinion that's evolved a little bit over the last year or so as we've seen him play. But my what I've always, I've always landed is, when, they were, when Jimmy Garoppolo was there, when Jimmy Garoppolo was the Niners quarterback, they were an elite offense. They were a top-five offense. If you look at the numbers after the Christian McCaffrey trade, they were humming offensively even before Garoppolo got hurt. What Jimmy never provided this offense was the off-schedule playmaking and the scrambling that Brock Purdy does and the aggressiveness to push the ball down the field. Those were two areas that came up huge yesterday. He made multiple plays with his feet. I mean, I think he probably made – I think he had four first downs as a scrambler and then you could point to the two off-schedule plays he made to Kyle Juszczyk that were massive in the course of that half. And even though the ball bounced off of the uh, corner's face and got to Brandon Ayuk, him pushing the ball down the field is a differentiating factor for this offense compared to what it used to be over the last three or four years. So is he elevated by Shanahan and the pieces around him? There's no doubt that he is. But I do think the two kind of subtleties and the two little differences in his game compared to even what Garoppolo gave this offense has allowed them to reach another level. And I thought that yesterday was a really good example of that. Okay, so with Chris Jones probably in the kitchen uh, for the Super Bowl, he's been awesome in the playoffs. How do you think or, or foresee Brock Purdy countering that and, and how you know San Francisco is going to try to negate some of all that? I think that when you look at what's happened over the last two weeks, when he has struggled against both the Lions and the Packers, it's because the defensive line is in his lap. And that is a weakness of this Niners team. Even though the skill position players are it's an all-star team top to bottom, their offensive line is relatively poor. And Jeff Feliciano is their starting right guard right now. He's a journeyman. He's been around the league for over a decade. I mean, I'm surprised that he actually still has a starting role in the NFL. Cole McKibbitt's their starting right tackle. He took over for Mike McGlinchey this year. He isn't great. You know, even their interior of the offensive line, you could take advantage of that group. And this Chiefs front, even without Charles Amen, who was towards ACL, is a very good group. And on the back end, the Lions try to do some stuff coverage-wise. They're creative. I think that Aaron Glenn did a very good job this year of just throwing out different answers, even when they didn't, though they didn't have a lot of talent. The Chiefs are that same sort of defense on the back end. It's amorphous. It's hard to understand what they're doing. The difference is they've got the talent. Like They've got the guys on the back end. Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the NFL this year, rightfully, and he got put in a torture chamber yesterday by Steve Spagnuolo in that defense. So I think what Brock Purdy is about to face, he hasn't faced a defense like this since he played against the Ravens earlier this year, and it is going to be a massive, massive challenge. Robert, you bring up that secondary, especially for Kansas City. Snead, obviously really good. They're really aggressive. Were you surprised about the play calling yesterday from Todd Munkin? Like, I kind of thought maybe we would see the old Greg Roman power run stuff. Instead, it was Lamar dropping back 37 times in that game. Gus Edwards only had three carries in that game. I know Kansas City was stacking the box, but were you surprised at all with the play calling yesterday for Baltimore? I was, especially in the first half. I thought that they were moving the ball pretty well in the second half. They got done in by some mistakes and turnovers. But in the first half, they only had, I think, four running back runs. One was that 15-yarder to Gus Edwards, I think, on their second drive. Three of them were hands off, handoffs to Justice Hill. Two of them were with one yard to go. So it's th- two, f- two of their four running back carries in the first half were in short yardage. That is surprising to me. And the reason that I'm surprised by that is if you look at the way the Bills approached the Chiefs a week earlier – 
they ran the ball all over them. And it's beyond running efficiency. One of the things I appreciated with the Bills game plan is that the Chiefs are trying to make you erratic. The amount of pressures they're going to bring, the amount of looks they're going to throw at you, they want you to feel sped up and they want you to feel like you're playing outside of yourself. The running game is a way to calm down your offense and calm down your quarterback and just kind of keep things even keel against a defense that wants you to be ping-ponging between extremes. And for them not to lean on it against that sort of unit specifically in a moment like this where I think your quarterback needs to take a little bit of a deep breath every once in a while, that was surprising to me. When you look at what Debo Samuel was able to do, we thought, I mean, for a while leading up to it, you know, it was reported of whether or not he'd actually even play. Guy looked like he was fully healthy and ready to go. Can we expect the same thing against Kansas City? I feel like that's one of the guys to re- – Ryan was talking about this earlier. Like, that's a guy to already target on the overs. Just it, It's clear they're going to put it, make him a major part of that offense for that game, I, I obviously. Actually, He's been that way, you know, obviously. <laughs> I, I think that's a good thought, and, I, and yeah. I think part of the reason for that is against this Chiefs team specifically – you are worried about the matchups on the outside. You know, they are so, so good. I mean, McDuffie and, and Snead are arguably, I think, the two, the top cornerback tandem in the NFL. The Browns are really, really good this year. But if you're just talking two guys, and that's what the Chiefs have done. You know, the Chiefs have done such a good job with personnel this season, you know, down the back half. They have three safety looks they can trot out at you. They have normal nickel looks they can trot out at you. They have a deep linebacking core that they can throw at you. So the matchup advantages that you would typically have against two outside corners with Debo and Brandon Ayuk, it's not the same set of dynamics when you're playing against Kansas City. So if you want to attack them through the air, I think getting the ball in Debo's hands, kind of letting him go to work in space as an extension of the running game makes a lot of sense because then you're not worried about all kind of the coverage disguises and the tricky stuff they're throwing your way, and you're making those linebackers move in space. So him being a big part of the game plan, just getting the ball in his hands and letting him go to work, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Kansas City also not great at defending running backs in space either or defending the run, and that's why you know Buffalo had such a great uh, had such great success. You think uh, they're going to you know Christian McCaffrey is going to be running the ball, or would you take rushing and receiving yards? I, I doubt that there will be four running back runs in the first half for the 49ers in the Super Bowl, the way the way that Baltimore had this weekend. And the Niners, what I appreciate about them is that they aren't afraid to run into some of those boxes. It's part of the overall equation that they have offensively. And the Chiefs have struggled to defend the run, even in some of those heavier sets. And that was the surprising part about watching the game, watching them against Buffalo and watching Buffalo's game plan. You know, typically teams and the Niners do this really well. All right. We're going to throw heavy personnel on the field. We have a fullback. we got two tight ends. You're going to match with three linebackers, so we're going to throw the ball against you. The Bills leaned into it. The Bills were lining up two tight ends. They were in jumbo personnel with an extra offensive lineman. They didn't care how many linebackers the Chiefs are putting out there. They were going to run the ball down their throats. And I still think that we would see a similar sort of approach from San Francisco because that's just a way to keep that team out of those funky looks that make them so hard to deal with in the passing game. Robert Mays, host of the Athletic Football Show. Appreciate you coming on for us, man. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Yeah, it's uh, that's the one thing. It's like we were worried about what the 49ers were going to do against that uh, Lions run defense. They still run the ball. They don't care. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey will run it right out the middle. So it makes him the best running back in the NFL. But you should do. That's what freaking Ravens should have done yesterday. Mm-hmm. And where was Justice Hill, by the way? Nothing Nowhere. from him. Nowhere to be seen. Ugh, some of those props. Just brutal. It's bet MGM tonight. 
It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.